So the next word, new word today, we're going to do two more words today. You're going to want to write this one down. I may have already written it down for you. Infiltration. Infiltration. We're going to talk about infiltration. Now, infiltration, actually invitation, is one of the methods of infiltration. So infiltration is you asking this question. How can I, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus... How can I influence the people around me for God? How can I impact the people in my sphere of influence? How can I get them to consider the words of Jesus? How can I get them to consider eternal things? How can I get the people who are in my life to think about God? To think about what God said? to think about spiritual matters. I am a Christian. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. How am I to fulfill the command that he gave all his followers, including me, when he said, go and know all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? How do I fulfill that? That command was not just to the 12. It was to every disciple for all time. That command to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature was to everybody, every one of us. He said, go and make disciples. We've got to ask ourselves, how do I do that? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Let's look in the Bible, look in the Word of God, at the words of Jesus. Matthew uh, was a tax collector, and uh, he was lost. And because the tax collectors back in that day were uh, very um, devious and uh, they would cheat the people. Hmm, sounds familiar. Let me go on. Matthew five sixteen. Not all of them, just some. In the same way, this is Jesus talking, in the same way, you should, say the yellow part, be a light for other people. Everybody say this with me. Dear Lord, help me to know, understand, and accept that I am a light for you, to other people. So Jesus goes on and says, live your life in a way, live so that, live your life in a way, live so that they out there who don't know Jesus will see the, you do, what do we say around here? Be Jesus, be Jesus to people, and then you'll get a chance to talk about Jesus. But when you start off talking about Jesus and you've shown no real love or care or concern for that person, it is harder for them to receive your words about Jesus. So Jesus says, live your life in a way that they will see the good things you do and ask you why. Why do you love me? Why do you care about me? Why do you speak words of encouragement to me? Why are you praying for me? Why are you friendly to me? Why did you help me when I was in trouble? Why do you care about me? Why? And then you say, well, I'm glad you asked. Because before I met Jesus Christ, I didn't really care the way I care now. Remember, your greatest witness is a story. Tell people what you were, how you came to Jesus, and what you are now. So when they ask you, why do you do these good things for me? Why do you do good things at the soup kitchen? Why do you do good things to uh, those who are on Seymour Johnson Air Force Base? Why do you care about people? Why do you love people? Why do you do these things? Then you will say to them, because Christ is in me. And you tell them your story of how you didn't care as much. You found Jesus and now you can't help but love. One of the greatest stories of that is in Mark chapter 2, and don't turn there or I'll be tempted to preach on that. And it's four guys going to church. They're on their way to church. There's been this great revival going on, and Jesus is the evangelist. He's the preacher, and buddy, things have been happening, and they're on their way to church. And there's this crippled man laying on a mat, and they want to get to church because they want to get them a blessing. But love compels them to pick him up. Love compels them not to pass him by. 
See, when you are walking in intimacy with Jesus, love will overwhelm you sometimes when you're not even expecting it and compel you to do something you didn't even know you were going to do. Look what it says. Live your life so that the lost will see the good things you do and eventually they will turn their life around and end up praising your Father in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Look at the next verse I've got here. 1 Peter. If you don't know where that is in your Bible, it's right before, it's right before 2 Peter. 1 Peter 3. That helps some of you, I know. 1 Peter 3.15, look what it says. But respect Christ as the Holy Lord in your hearts. Oh, this next part's huge. Everybody say the yellow part with me. Always be ready to answer. Because see, when you do good and you love people, like we just read in Matthew, they're going to have questions. So you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready to answer. That's what we were just talking about. Always be ready to answer who? Everyone who asks you to explain about the hope you have. The hope you have. They, they look at you and they look at your joy and they look at your, your um, exuberance for God and they just look at your whole attitude of, of uh, you know, joy and, and happiness and a big old smile on your face and they know what's going on in your life and they know it isn't good and, and they know what's going on in this world isn't good and they know there's a whole bunch of bad news all around but they see in you the hope you have, and they are going to ask you about it. How can you have hope when things are going on in your life so bad with your children and with your physical body and with your finances and you just got laid off your job? And how do you, how do you stay joyful? How, how do you keep your hope? See, they're going to ask you. First Peter tells us they're going to ask us about that. And you've got to what? Be ready to answer. So we're thankful for Pastor Jimmy Bryan, aren't we? Y'all love Pastor Jimmy? Amen. Pastor Jimmy is the old guy. I think he's like a year older than me, but that makes him like the old guy around here. And uh, if y'all don't know him, some of you who are new, he's the staff member that's always sweating, okay? Because he, he is a go-getter, and he's outreach, and behind every good man is a what? Better woman. Miss Jean, where are you at? Where's Miss Jean? Stand up, Miss Jean. That's Pastor Jimmy's wife right there. <clears throat> and when y'all see Pastor Jimmy and interact with him, it's going gonna, it's gonna to push you to pray for Miss Jean. <laughs> so you, you obey God. But Pastor Jimmy does something for us here. He gets us in places with the Bible, with love, with Jesus. He creates events. I've got to tell you something, man. I've never seen anybody like him. I can try to get in a place, and they'll tell me no, 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 why it won't, and I can turn it over to Pastor Jimmy, and he gets us in the door. I don't know what, he's threatening, I don't know what he's doing, <laughs> but he's getting us in the door, and we love him, and we, listen to this now, we love outreach events. He's done all kind of events for us. Do y'all remember when we used to do the cross and the crown? You remember that awesome guy that played Peter like up in the cave? Love him. He's awesome. And I, I haven't heard because I, I don't know him that well, but I heard he's so humble. So, <laughs> it was me. So, Pat, so we, we did outreach events where we said, come, come, come. Remember, uh, y'all remember we used to do Fall Festival? 4,000 people would come on our campus right here. And we would say, come, come, come. Pastor Jimmy came to me one day. He said, you know what, Pastor? He said, I believe God's flipped it now, and he's saying, go, go, go. So we took all the money that we were spending on those two big events, and I know y'all miss those, and sometimes you'll bring it back up to me and say, I wish we still did that, but listen, here's why we don't. It's not because we don't want to, and not because we didn't love it, and not because it wasn't a lot of fun, but Pastor Jimmy said, let's take that money, Pastor, and let's go out there where they are. Let's go out there where the lost people are. Instead of saying, come, 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 let's go out there and love on them. And so now we're in the soup kitchen. And now we're at the, the uh, crisis center. And now we're in prison. I mean, you know, we're in the prisons. 
And now, we got some of our members in prison. You got, you got to go love on them. And, um, and uh, we, we um, are on Seymour Johnson Air Force Base because of Pastor Jimmy. We're in the schools because of Pastor Jimmy. And, and we just praise God for that. Here's what I want to say to you today. I want you to go to an HNL, whole nother level. Now listen to me. Listen, this is really important what I'm about to say. And I want you to stop looking for some event to go to. And I want you to keep going to the events. I want you to keep going off with the teams, feeding at the soup kitchen, doing all that kind of, I want you to keep doing that. But I want you to start waking up every morning, looking in the mirror and saying to yourself, I am an outreach team. Every day of my life. I'm going to quit waiting for an outreach event to do outreach. God, provide a way for me today to do some outreach. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to make it easy for you. So I've got, um, I want you to open that envelope now. I know you all been dying to open that envelope if you had not already done it. And look at uh, three simple tools. Now, we're going we're gonna to add to these. We're going to add a lot of stuff to this envelope, but we didn't want to overwhelm you with a bunch of tools. So we're just going to give you like three simple tools. Now, we already gave you one of them, and we gave that to you last week. So I hope you've been working on this one. Hope you've been working on this one, where you make a list of people that you're going to intentionally invite to our next sermon series that leads to Easter. So, so next week, next Sunday, we begin the sermon series on Satan called Duped. That word duped, of course, meaning tricked or deceived, which is his business. A lot of people have questions about Satan. How many of y'all have noticed that every other television now is something about the supernatural? I mean, I don't even know. They tell me there's this show called Grimm. Of course, I've never seen it, but, you know, because I'm holy. And so, so they tell you, you know, Grim, and then there's uh, this new one coming on I saw. All I saw was this little girl screaming and these birds looking like a tornado. I don't even know what that is, but it scared me. And um, so everything's about the supernatural, even in comedies and even in it's just about devils and ghosts and demons, and people are laughing about that and making jokes about it. And i got to tell you something. This whole thing of battling Satan is some serious business. So we're going to start on it next Sunday. So here's what we want to do. You want to make that list, and then on the other side of that card are some ways that you can do some things to get people's attention. You remember we uh, um, Go back, guys, if you will, to that Matthew scripture for me, if you don't mind. If you can back up to that, I don't know how hard that is to back up. Thank you so much. See, be a light to other people, and then on the back of your card are good things you can do on the back of this card. See how relevant we're trying to make it? Instead of just preaching to you, we want to help you obey that scripture. How many of you know the Lord blesses when we obey? So we want to help you obey. I believe that's the job of the church. Now look, we can't obey for you, but we can tell you what to obey, and we can teach you what to obey, and then we can give you tools that will help you obey, but you got to go out there and obey. Okay? So there's your first tool. Your second tool is the card that has the sermon series on it. It's ominous looking, isn't it? Then on the back, who is Satan? Why should we care? And then it's got our website address, and it's got our phone number, and uh, the dates of the series. So, so you want to invite people, say, hey, I don't know if you go to church or not, but my pastor's tackling a real controversial subject starting Sunday. Uh, it's about the supernatural. It's about Satan and demons and what all that is. And, man, I'd just love to have you. If you will, just take this card and let that be a reminder. I hope you can make it during the series at some time. That's all you got to do. And then, of course, you all know what this is. This is the Just Because card. 
And I heard yesterday we got something started at Starbucks again where everybody's paying for the person behind them. I got an email that uh, this person said, I'm number 30 in line of people who are just paying for the person behind them. So just do something nice for somebody, and a lot of those ideas are on here, and then leave a card. And let them see the good things you do so one day their life will turn around and they can praise your father the way you do. Yes. I get excited about that, don't y'all? Man, see, you become a minister. You become a minister. You say, well, we've got a staff. I thought that's what we hired y'all to do. I will come down there if I hear you say that out loud. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 tells me what my job is, tells me what the staff's job is. We're not going to go to Ephesians 4. Just write it down in your notes. It says the job of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen? Amen. So continue with, I mean, um, infiltration. All right? This, and look, let me, let me say this. This is really important. This is not a one-time campaign that we're going to do for a little while and quit. Here's what we're going to do. We're probably going to have to get, make this envelope bigger. And then we're going to put on the front, instead of this sermon series, we're going to put toolbox, outreach toolbox. And we're going to keep these available all the time. And we're going to have a table outside or somewhere uh, out in the foyer where you can replenish your toolbox every Sunday you come. And we're going to keep talking about it because we don't have much time to reach people for Christ. He's coming back. The King is coming. And we've got to win as many people as we can. And the church said. Now let's look at the last one. And this one is so important. And I'm going to tell you, I'm probably going to, I really don't expect a lot of amens right here on this last one because I'm going to introduce you today to something God is dealing with me about in my heart. I want to tell you that we're not doing this one very well. I think we're doing multiplication pretty well. I think we're doing invitation okay. I think we're doing infiltration okay. But this next one, I don't think we're doing a real good job with this next one. And it's discipleship. Continuation. Continuation. Um, it speaks of the church doing its job... In, in making disciples, not just getting people saved, which is kind of what infiltration and invitation's about. We want to get people to Jesus, get them to the gospel message so they'll be saved. But we have a much bigger job. Now, we are doing some things in our church that, that disciple people. I mean, I'm up here preaching right now, and, you know, this is information that I'm giving you that is I hope if you're listening, you're writing it down, you're absorbing it, that it's helping you be a better disciple of Jesus, helping you be a, a better follower, a more committed follower, that you're more like Jesus. But I want us to go deeper than just this. We got classes. Man, I heard that our um, ownership class for, for new owners, we had that Wednesday night that it was packed and running over. Pastor Andy told me this morning he couldn't have got five more people in there. As a matter of fact, it was so packed, he had to give up his seat. And he's old. He needs to sit. And uh, so that's great. And I love the fact that every time we receive new owners, there's people lined up from one end of this stage to the other. But church, listen to me. God is dealing with me. God is dealing with me um, at a very deep place in my life about um, taking our discipleship ministry to a, to a higher level. Now, we've got classes you can take. Um, Mike Moss um, came to our church and he teaches an awesome class and teaches even our staff on, two, on Wednesday mornings. And, um, and we have uh, other classes that you can take and learn your, um, <clears throat> uh, what your gift is and your talent. We talked about that a little bit last week. And we have all kinds, we got, we got the 66 and 52 going on on Wednesday night. And here's what that means. We're going through all 66 books of the Bible in 52 weeks. So in 2014, we're going to cover the whole Bible just 
in general, kind of just scratch the paint off the surface of the Bible, just so you can get a general idea of what each book of the Bible is about. So we're doing things. I'm not, I'm not saying we're not doing anything, but we need to go to another level when it comes to discipleship. So people tell me that, uh, that there's a discipleship problem, that disciples aren't being made today. But I want to tell you that I disagree with that. I think disciples are being made. Al-Qaeda's making disciples. Al-Qaeda's making disciples who are making disciples. Did you hear what I just said? Al-Qaeda's making disciples who are making disciples. So if Al-Qaeda can do it, can the Jesus people do it? Come on now, seriously, guys. Gangs are making disciples who are making disciples. You say, we don't have gangs. <laughs> you better wake up and drink you some coffee. We got gangs in Goldsboro. There are gangs who have infiltrated this county, Johnston County. There are gangs, and they are well organized, and they, listen to me, listen to what I'm about to say. They're making disciples who are making disciples. I'll tell you some other disciples that are being made right in the communities and in the homes of our communities as there are plenty of children growing up without a father. And that father is teaching them that men don't have to take responsibility for their home. So those children grow up and do just like daddy discipled them to do. And they repeat it. And their children get discipled by that model. And they repeat it. And it goes on into a second and third and fourth generation. So disciples are being made. Here's the problem. What kind of disciples are we making? And i got to tell you something. While these that I've mentioned, Al-Qaeda gangs and illegitimate fathers and mothers often are making disciples in the wrong way, we've got to look at the church and say, are we making any disciples? We all make disciples. Every one of us are making disciples. The question is, what kind are you making? And the disciples you're making, you need to understand, it affects the next generation and the next generation and the next generation because that's how this world works. It is how God designed things to work. Humans learn by imitating. Humans learn by imitating. So let me give you three discipleship evaluation questions. You don't have to write these down. I don't know if I put them in your notes or not, but don't worry about writing these down. You already know them. Number one is where am I with God and am I growing? Am I, am I being discipled? You say, well, you're the pastor of a church. Let me tell you something. I'm spending time right now with a pastor who just fell from the pulpit of his church, fell into sin. And I love him with all my heart. And he might be watching this morning. I hope he is. And I want him to know that I love him. But I'm going to tell you, when you as a pastor and preacher are not being discipled and making sure somebody's working with you and helping you and connecting yourself to people who are going to love you and hold you accountable and cause you to grow deeper in your walk with God, I don't care if you got reverend in front of your name or great holy potentate. It don't matter to me what you got in front of your name. I don't even know what that is. Um, it doesn't matter what to, you can fall. You can fall. So I need to be discipled. So Fair Hardison, is your personal relationship with Christ healthy and is it deepening? And then number two, what can I do to ensure that my personal relationship with Christ is deepening? See, you've got to take responsibility for that. I can talk to you about this, but you've got to own this. You've got to ask yourself, am I... Am I closer to God than I was a week ago, a month ago, a year ago? Where am I going? Is my Christian life, it was going up, it was going up, is it plateaued? And is it even declining? Where is my walk with God? What am I doing to make sure my walk with God is deepening, getting closer every single day? The third question, what does God expect of me to help others grow? in the depth of their walk with Christ? What is my job not only for myself to make sure I'm growing and I'm deepening and I'm becoming a better disciple, but is there somebody I can help be a better disciple? See, God told us not only to be good disciples, but to go make some more. 
Make some more disciples. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 17. Y'all with me out there? Say amen. amen. All right, good. Um, Millie got up this morning, cooked me some country ham, buddy. It's calling for water. <laughs> that is not true, but I know one day it's going to happen. <laughs> Speak things that are not as though they were, saith the Lord. First uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Look what Paul says here. Look what Paul says. Paul says, I'm not trying to make you feel ashamed. Paul's their pastor. Paul's the pastor. He's written this church a letter. He says, I'm writing this to give you a warning and don't go to the next slide when I finish this, guys. Just leave it right there. He says, I'm writing, this as a war- to, uh, I'm, I'm writing this to give you a warning. Uh, read those last words. As, you know what Paul's saying right there? Paul's saying, I'm your spiritual father. Paul says, I know you got a daddy that birthed you. and Well, your mama birthed you, but <laughs> daddy just gets to do the fun part. So... So, I don't know what's wrong with me, y'all. I don't know. I am writing this to give you a warning as my own teacher. Paul's saying, I know, I'm not your, your father in the flesh, but I am your father in the spirit. I'm your spiritual father. Look at that. Look at the next verse now. For though you may have 10,000 teachers, and those teachers are what? So they're good teachers. Paul says, you you got good teachers, man, because they're in Christ, and that's great. You know, like we have good teachers here in America. I mean, you turn the radio on, get it to the right station, good Bible teachers. David Jeremiah comes on, you know, and and, um, John Hagee and some of these other people. And you might say, well, I don't agree with them. Yeah, but they love God, and and they might have a little different twist on some passages of Scripture than we do, but they're preaching Jesus and the cross. Amen, amen. Okay, so we get good teachers, and that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, you know, you've got a lot of good teachers in Christ and, and all that, and that's good, and I want you to get that. And, you know, you can go online and watch sermons and, and all of that. He said, but the problem we've got is you do not have many. Boom. That's big right there. See, you don't just need to come here on Sunday and hear me on the stage. You need to stand at my shoulder every day of my life if you're going to know me because you can't be what you cannot see. See, if all you get in your discipleship is me standing up here on this stage preaching to you, it's not enough. You'll be shallow. You'll be wobbly in your walk with God. Say, but pastor, I write down and that's great. And I go look it up during the week. That's great. That's great. It's wonderful. But I'm telling you right now, you need somebody that you can stand at their shoulder and watch their life so that not only are you getting good teaching, thousands of good teachers, you need a spiritual father. Now, when I say that, I'm just talking about a spiritual parent right there, and I think that's what Paul's talking about is a spiritual parent. It can be a father or a mother because Paul tells Timothy, and he's going to mention Timothy in just a minute, he tells Timothy, your grandma, you you have sat under the teaching of your grandmother who has not only taught you the Scripture, but she has also been a model to you. You have imitated her. You have stood at her shoulder. Not just during teaching times, but you have stood at her shoulder every day. And she's taught you how to react and how to not react. She's been a spiritual parent to you. Through the good news, which is the gospel, the word of God. Look what he says. Look what Paul says. I became your father in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. So I what? Paul goes, come on. This is, you know, when Paul says, I beg you, he's saying this is important. You can't leave this out. This is not optional. This is an optional that you have a spiritual parent. 
I beg you, I beg you, Paul goes, think about it. Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit writing this. I beg you, I plead with you, I beseech you. Please follow my example. Isn't enough to hear my preaching. Follow my example. Go to the next one, verse 17. Look what Paul says. This is why, because Paul can't be everywhere at all times, so here's what Paul's going to do. Paul's going to send to them a disciple he made. Because you can't be everywhere at all, all the time. So Paul disciples Timothy, and then he sends them a disciple he made. He says, by watching Timothy, because I have discipled him, he has stood at my shoulder. Not only have I taught him the word of God, but I've lived it in front of him. I've taught him who he is in Jesus and how to live his life to bring honor and glory to Jesus. He said, so when you watch Timothy, you'll be watching me. Look what he says. This is why I'm sending to you, my, sending to you Timothy, my son. Son where? So he wasn't literally Paul's son, but he was his son what? In the Lord. I love Timothy. Boy, you talk about a, a statement on a, you know, once in a while somebody would call me and go, Pastor Farrell, I'm putting in for a job. Can I put you down as a reference? I mean, this is what was on Timothy's reference. I am loved by Paul, and he believes I am faithful. That's a pretty good reference right there, isn't it? Paul says, I love Timothy, and he is faithful. Boy, that's, that's a stamp of approval right there, isn't it? Look at, the, look at the yellow part. He will help you remember what I taught him. I discipled this boy. He's going to help you remember. I can't go because I'm over here doing this, so I'm going to send Timothy, and he's going to help you remember my way of life in Christ Jesus, just as I teach it in Christ. All the churches everywhere. So when Jesus made disciples, it produced a missional movement. I'm telling you, God's working me over about this. I had a meeting with somebody who comes to our church, a relatively new person, not new in God, not new in the Bible, and not new in the things of God, but a person... Because I don't know about y'all, but I pray all the time, God, send me people who can take me further. Send people to the bridge who can challenge me and take me deeper in you. And God has sent us someone, and we're going to be introducing you to him a little bit later on. Many of you already know him. But we're, gonna, we're praying right now. He and I are praying that God is just going to move on this church and in, a, in more of an organic way rather than a programmed way, we believe God's going to bring into the bridge a culture of discipleship, helping one another grow one-on-one. -on -one. Amen. Amen. So pray for us. So Jesus, when he made disciples, it led to the world being changed. When the early church made disciples, it led to Generation after generation after generation being reached for Christ. See, that's what we need to worry about. We don't need to worry about how awesome it is here every Sunday. We need to worry about are we laying a foundation for those who will come behind us? Are we going to lose the next generation? And I'm telling you, standing up on a stage preaching like this, and I love it, I love doing this. But this isn't going to get that done. What's going to get that done is us spending time with our kids and our students every single day of their lives and letting them stand out on our shoulder, stand by our shoulder as Christians and see how we live this Christian life and pour into them what God has poured into us and others have poured into us. We pour it into them. If we don't, we're going to lose a generation. And if you lose a generation, you're probably going to use the next one and the next one and the next one. We've got to rise up as a church. As I was praying early, early this morning, I just believe the bridge is going to be an example to other churches in this area. Churches are looking to us. 
many, many, many churches are looking at us and looking to us. And I thank God for that, and I'm honored by that. But I, we've got to teach them this too. And I've got to tell you something, Bridge, we're not doing this one very well. And that's on me. I'm the pastor, and that's on me. But we're going to turn this corner, and we're going to become a disciple-making church. The early church made disciples. And again, generation after generation was reached for Jesus, and they kept reaching others. Don't you think about that early church? No budgets, no buildings, no technology. The media team right now is going, amen, no technology. Without resources, they had no resources, and certainly without popularity. Miraculous things were happening in that early church. When Jesus did discipleship, it was the rabbi spending time with the disciples. This Jewish picture was the disciple desiring not only to listen. Now listen, this is so important. You're going to miss this if you don't listen. Not just learning from the rabbi, but imitating the rabbi. Not just learning from the rabbi, but imitating the rabbi. Wanting to be like the rabbi. Not just say amen to the rabbi's teaching, that's good teaching, but wanting to be like the rabbi. The rabbi desired to see the imprint of his life on the life of the person who was following him. And there rose up a little blessing that they would speak on one another. And I love this. They would say, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. And what that means is, may you follow your rabbi so closely at the shoulder that when he kicks up dust, it gets on you. And you become caked in the dust of your rabbi. The most respected Bible scholars agree that out of the three and a half years of Jesus' active ministry on the earth, listen to this, 18 months was spent with the 12 and the 3. Peter, James, and John, the 3 and the 12. 18 months of Jesus, three and a half years of ministry on this earth were spent with a small, tiny group discipling them, discipling them. And as we think about that, it's a huge challenge to figure out how we're going to do something like this in a modern church because the culture today is so different than back then. We have so many things competing with us. But I believe Paul wants us to see here an image that helps the Corinthians back then and us today as we try to understand what discipleship looks like. And we were reading again from 1 Corinthians 4, 18 through 17. There is a word in the Bible called the pedagogos. Pedagogos. And it spoke of a, it spoke of, this spoke of a person who was a nanny. It spoke of a person who was a nanny who would take care of the needs of a little baby, take care of the needs of a little child for the parents. But it wasn't just the nanny's job to take care of them and change their diaper and keep them clean and make sure they were safe, but it was also the responsibility of the pedagogos, the nanny, the, the, the um, schoolmaster is another word for that. Uh, it was also to teach them the basics of life, how to read and how to write and how to do mathematics and all of that. But then when that, listen, listen, when that child reached an appropriate age, the parent took over full control. And that child stood at that parent's shoulder, and the parent taught the child who he was, where he or she came from, how to behave in the world, what to value and what not to value, what to honor and what not to honor, how to love, how to live holy, how to walk right, how to react, I think most churches are doing the pedagogos. We're teaching, teaching, teaching. But what we're not doing is finding in our churches those fathers and mothers who can let people stand at their shoulder one-on-one -on -one and spend time. Am I making any sense this morning? And spend time with them so that they get their roots down deep. Jeremiah 17 those first few verses talks about, and you just write that down. Don't look it up. I'll preach on it. Don't look it up. Getting those roots down deep into the, into the soil so that when famine comes and, and when storms come and the winds blow, that 
Uh, it will not blow that tree over and it will not stop bearing fruit in the, even in the time of great heat and drought because the roots are down so deep. That is the picture I'm painting. That we have, you, I, I love what we've done here at the bridge. I love it. I love it. I thank God for it. And we have helped people get their roots down, but we can do better. We can do better. I fear in my heart, I hope it's not true, but I fear in my heart that too many of us have roots, but they run on top of the ground. And if a great wind or a great storm or a great unexpected life event would come along, we would blow right over. Sometimes the only way we praise God and walk in fellowship with Him is if everything's going okay. Otherwise, we question if He loves us and should I go on and I just want to give up, which shows me that we're not as deep as we need to be. The child would be apprenticed with the parent that parent would teach that child how to properly function in life and how to live. Paul says you've got good teachers that are giving you good information. But he says you need a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, a spiritual parent. You need to stand at that shoulder of that person because they are a model for you to look at and learn from. I want you to look at a diagram that I, that I uh, made. It's a, it's a triangle. And, he, and here's... Here's what we do, and all of these things are good. Every one of these things are good, and I'm going to close with this. We give information. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm giving information. I'm just giving information, and that's good. We need information. Teaching is important. Classes are important. Bible studies are important. Life groups are important. Discipleship, a form of discipleship, does take place in those environments. Giving information is a part of that. This is probably what we're best at here at the bridge. We're probably best at giving information. We want people to know God's word. We want people to know the power of God's word. We want people to know what Jesus did and taught. We want people to understand the cross. We want the people to understand the empty tomb, the gospel. We want them to come to a firm understanding of that gospel so they can teach it. And we want to teach them, and then we want them to, and we want to train them so they can train, and we want to send them so they can do greater works. You remember Jesus said, greater things you will do. He didn't mean greater in power. He meant greater in number. Do you realize that Jesus never went 200 miles, more than 200 miles away from the place where he was born? So when Jesus said, you're going to do greater things, that I did, he wasn't talking about great. How can you do something greater than Jesus? He was talking about greater in number. So that brings us to innovation. That because of the internet this morning, if you are in another part of the world, you can be watching me preach this sermon in another part of the world because of what? Innovation. It's wonderful. Praise God for it. I've got a little skinny mic on my face so that when I preach and talk, it comes out through the speakers. You're able to hear me a whole lot better. We have technology. We thank God for information. We thank God that because of innovation, we're able to communicate information better. But here's the problem we've got. Here, right here, is the missing piece. And that's the imitation. I want to challenge, listen to me. I want to challenge those of you who are mature Christians. I want to challenge you to say, I'll let somebody stand at my shoulder, Pastor. See, some of you are disciple makers. Some of you need that disciple maker. There are two groups. We're always growing in the Lord, even if you're a disciple maker. But some of you have been walking in the Lord a long time, and God wants you to let somebody stand at your shoulder. God wants you to let somebody stand at your shoulder. God wants you to spend some time with people one-on-one -on -one and pour into them what God has poured into you over the years so they can get their roots down as deep as you got your roots down so that when the wind comes and the rains come and the storms come and drought comes and heat comes, their roots will be down so deep they will still be touching that fresh water and they will bear fruit in the worst circumstances. So God is calling us to let people access our lives. Will you serve as an intentional example so that others can see from your life what it means to share your faith and manage your money and parent their children, 
Minister to the sick and the depressed and the grieving and the addicted? Will you let somebody stand at your shoulder so they can learn what it means to see the Christian life and how to take risk and be radical for Jesus? Because see, ministry at a far, at a distance is easy. That's what I'm doing today, ministry at a distance. It's easy. This is the easy way. Nobody gets to ask me questions. And if you come toward me with a question, I just run the other way. So we do ministry from a distance. We look great from a distance. We look like we have it all together from afar. But that doesn't disciple anybody. I believe God is calling the bridge to rise up and be spiritual parents. In the Celtic church, they had what they called, I thought this was so interesting, they had what they called abbots and abbasses. Abbots and abbasses. And these were people who had grown deep in God and they were considered to reflect Abba Father. So they were called abbots and abbasses. And through this system of one-on-one imitation, they led and influenced entire communities to love God and live for God and spend time with God. That's what I'm talking about. The bridge has an opportunity to lead in such a way that people will stand at your shoulder and realize the greatness and the glory and the goodness of God. Now, we're not a perfect example. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, you think about, do I want somebody to stand at my shoulder and watch my life every day? I mean, do I live a life that's, that's worthy of imitating? Do you live a life that's worthy of imitating? But then I remember Paul said, look at me. Look at me. Imitate me. And then I think about Paul. He's awesome. I think about how smart he was. He was a great theologian, a great teacher. He was a a studied scholar. He, He was an amazing man of God. But he had a past that was a mess. Anybody relate to that? Paul killed people because they loved Jesus. Listen to me. Before Paul met Jesus, Paul invaded homes and killed moms and dads and children. Before he came to Jesus. But when he came to Jesus, he said, even though I'm messed up and I'm not perfect, he said, I I challenge you to follow me, imitate my life. Um, You know, when we were small, we had dreams. Some of those dreams were crazy. You know, when we were kids, I think about my whole dream. Man, I grew up in the 60s, you know. My whole dream was to buy a convertible and drive all over the world, go to all the beaches in the world. I hadn't developed a plan for income at that time, but just what I was going to do with income. Um, I talked to a mom the other day, and she told me that her little daughter told her recently she was going to be the president. She said, but before I'm the president, I'm going to be a ballerina and a doctor. Then I'm going to be the president. And so I just love those wild dreams. Um, I'm going to show you in just a minute. Not yet, but I'm going to show you in just a minute. We got a little little guy in our church named um, Nate Peck. And Nate was riding in the back of the car with his mom recently, and he was contemplating his NFL career. And Nate is seven. And he said, Mom, Tanya's his mom, he said, I'm going to break records. I like that kind of thinking, don't you? I love it when my, my I love, you love it when your kids, show that picture of Nate. There's Nate right there, buddy. Isn't that awesome? Nate is the man. He's going, and looks like he's already broke some records. And he's huge. How many of y'all know where else you've seen Nate? On the mime team. Yeah, he's one of them little mimers, buddy. And, uh, and Nate, Nate is small, but, buddy, he's awesome. And the reason he's awesome at football and the reason he's got that trophy is because he has stood at his daddy's shoulder, who is a coach, who is a football coach. Show that next picture. That's why Nate's awesome. But let me tell you about Mark and Tanya. Mark doesn't just kneel beside his boy and disciple him in football, but he kneels beside his boy and disciples him every day in Jesus. And so does his mom. 
And that's what God is calling us to do. That's what God is calling the bridge to do. Listen now, I know time. We got people in this church who are mature enough that with a little bit of training, you can become a mentor, a spiritual mentor for somebody. And we got some of you coming up who are on fire and you're excited and you're zealous and buddy, you can't wait. But I'm telling you, a storm is coming in your life. A storm is coming in your life. Unexpected storms are coming in your life. And you've got to get with these mentors and let them help you get your roots down deep so when that storm comes, you will stand. Now, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't want it to be a program. I want it to be a culture. Do you know the difference? You know what I'm saying? I want it to just be something that happens. But, you know, we got to get it happening. we got to pray about it. So we, can I just ask you for this one commit? Will you pray with me about this? Do y'all believe this right here would take our church to another level? Do you believe it would take us to a depth in Jesus that we, we've not known yet? I want to see people not only get saved, I want to see people experience the work of sanctification in their life. I want people who have been saved and are experiencing the work of sanctification in their life to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I want to see this happen in our church. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to happen when we get this culture of of mature Christians letting those who are growing stand at their shoulder so they can feed them and teach them and imitate. Say, this is how you do this. This is how you react. This is how you manage your money. This is how you tithe. This is how you minister to the sick. This is how you minister when your friend gets cancer. This is how, because people don't know that. If you only come here on Sunday morning and hear me speak, you don't know how to do that, but it's coming to you. Those opportunities are going to come to you, and we want you to be equipped so that when they come, you will move in confidence and power and strength because of your walk with God. Amen, amen. Will you stand?